Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Charles. Enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 40 of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. It's your host, Charles the ETH, and today we're going to be sitting down with Cold-Blooded Chiller, um, and we're going to be discussing a couple topics. Uh, so if you're on Twitter, you've probably seen this man recently. He is absolutely killing the game. Uh, during a la- the last trading competition, I saw him at the top of the leaderboards, uh, and he hit a 23x, turning $100 into $2,300 in the span of 48 hours. Um, so he, he's just an absolute madman. And uh, today we're going to be sitting down to discuss uh, you know, his trading strategy, um, what it takes to win these trading competitions, especially the shorter ones. Um, and then right at the end, we're going to give you some tips on how to become a profitable trader. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, so before we really jump into things, can you just give us a little bit of background on yourself and what you were doing before you started trading crypto, just so we can kind of have an idea of who you are? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so prior to prior to trading full time, I ran a business. Uh, the the best way to describe that is um, I was a educational consultant. So I designed a lot of educational material for some big corporate companies. So I would I would be the person they would contact um, in order to basically prepare material to train their staff. So if they had a thousand staff to train in a certain topic, then I would be the one creating the material for that. So that was my, my background was like primarily in education. Um, and then about two years ago, I swapped over to, to full-time um, trading. So I kind of dropped the business and, and made the leap into full-time trading. So you ran this business. I support that majorly. Um, you know, this whole podcast is on people who have started businesses. So I really enjoy that you had a business before. Yeah. Got into yeah. Trading. Yeah. I had a business before. And like, that's, that's a difficult thing as well. Right. To like, people automatically assume that the business, there's some, might be something wrong with the business if you want to stop it. Um, yeah. so like, that was a really difficult thing to have that conversation with friends and family to say like, look, like I don't want to carry on with the business. I want to do this now instead. And what I'm leaping into is this huge unknown, but I think I'm good enough to, to get through it yeah um, yeah that's, and that's like a really difficult conversation to have oh i bet you know because i think a lot of people they see you you know stopping this business and they don't realize that there are more profitable ventures out there and they kind of just assume you know you're giving up this yeah. money-making opportunity but yeah. um to be honest yeah, and it, like especially having that conversation with a parent like oh, that's yeah. that's particularly difficult because like you mentioned i mentioned trading and i mentioned like cryptocurrency and like my mom is very much one of those people that's like I see it in the news and it's a scam. <laughs> so like having that conversation about like, I want to, I want to do this. Um, that was a particularly difficult conversation, but as I said, you know, we're, we're some time in now and everything's going well on that side. So I think everybody's happy that I made the leap. Yeah. It, um, it sounds like yeah, you're I mean, like, killing it. Yeah. I mean, I mean like, you know, I've been, I've had my success and certainly in the, in the last couple of months, things have been very good, but, um, yeah, that whole that whole decision to leave a business, and it isn't something that I took like lighthearted, right? Like it has to be a very thought out decision. Like I had to plan every aspect of what my trading journey looked like from that point onwards. So, like, what does my what's my daily profit return need to be? Like, what's my salary cut look like for the short term? What's my ability to hold a a sort of financial position look like over six months 12 months how do my bills and my mortgage look like all of those decisions so like it was a huge amount of planning that went into it It wasn't just something i could just flick a switch and say okay i'm a trader now yeah like it was it's a long process of course of course i feel like so many people see trading as this kind of glamorous lifestyle where you know money's just rolling in but you have you know a child and you've got you know responsibilities (laughs) So. Yeah, I knew you were going to drop the R word on me then. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really true. Yeah. I mean, I think we all do, but um, I'm a bit younger. So when I told people, you know, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to be working on my businesses full time, 
Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, you're young. You know, you don't have too many things that are tying you down. You don't have, you know, a wife, yeah. kids, a mortgage. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's all it's all relatively easy for me if it doesn't work out. But um, okay, yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. So you started trading about two years ago. Um, is it str- started trading? Started trading full time two years full-time, ago. Full time, yeah, yeah. There we go. Trading a lot longer, but yeah, it's yeah. Okay. okay, so um, you know. Do I do you primarily focus on you know crypto now or are you still tr- trading traditional markets as well? Um, so I started in traditional and there's like there's a good reason that I left that. Um, the my system works particularly well in crypto um, because it's a because it's a divergence based system. The, the the peaks and troughs that we get in crypto and the volatility in the market mean that I'm usually I usually am able to position quite well. Whereas traditional markets have always been a bigger challenge for the system. Um so when like I went into this like creation process of of mapping this out and deciding exactly how I wanted to trade full time, um, crypto was kind of just like the hand in hand uh, sort of opportunity for me. And I think as well that, you know, there's a, you need a huge amount of information on any markets that you're trading. You can't just walk into like, I just can't walk into FX and just be like, okay, yeah, here's, here's a support level. I'm going to trade off this. Like there's so much more that I need to know that I think that like my brain could only handle a certain amount with how specialized I wanted to be with the system. So it was just making sure that like crypto, I knew so much about already. I'd spent so long in the markets that that was the one that I knew I could apply to. There we go. Yeah. So you, you've kind of got it mapped out. You've found your area of expertise in a sense. Um, yeah. And it works for you. So yeah, that kind of gets into my next question. So, you know, you started, you figured out that, okay, your system works extremely well um, in the crypto markets. So can you just talk to us a little bit about your area of expertise and kind of where you make the most money trading um, and that system that you know divergence based system that you were talking about can you elaborate on that a little bit yeah sure so um i'm primarily i'm primarily a rank coach which is kind of an unusual unusual thing to hear there's not many renko traders that are visible in this space at all um renko is a renko is a system that basically strips back price action okay so when when i first started trading like a number of years ago I was one of those people who would get very caught up in like the narrative behind candles. So I'd be sitting, I'd be sitting at home on the PC looking at a chart and I'd look at like a five minute chart and I would, I would put a narrative behind each of the candles that I saw. So every time that I'd see a wick to the downside, a wick to the upside, I'd be creating these pictures in my head about what was happening and what that was telling me. And actually I find that that was one of the biggest sort of negatives about my trading is I was far, I was far too easily affected by what was happening visually and what I was seeing take place on those lower timeframes that I was trying to become profitable on. So I made the move to Renko, which kind of strips everything away. It just leaves me with a very raw version of price. And therefore it takes away any bias that I have. It leaves me with like underlying price action. And so it enables me to see more clearly the picture that's being painted for me. Um, so that was like one of the biggest things about taking up Renko. And obviously there's not many people in, in this space that utilize Renko, whereas I think there should be a lot of people in this space that utilize Renko because I think it would help a lot of people. Um, but the system itself works on the basis of lower time frame scalping. So I work with anything from like a one second chart upwards. Um, so primarily if I'm trading Bitcoin or, or Ethereum, I'll be using a one second chart and we'll be trading divergences off that. So I'm using RSI divergences and I would also use a moving average or a guppy in order to support that, that trading style. But essentially what I'm looking for are local bottoms, local tops, uh, small turns in the market that I can take advantage of. Um, and my system makes it very robotic in terms of how I trade that. So there is zero emotion that goes into my trading. It's actually like a relatively boring style, okay? which is why I why I tweet so much because that gives me an outlet to to spam some some memes. But 
is actually it's a pretty systematic approach it's the system tells me to short i short the system tells me to long i long and it's kind of as simple as that like there's no emotion there's no narrative it's simply system says this do this there we go okay so yeah you covered a, a few things there i kind of just want to do a bit of a recap i like to do a recap for my audience just so that they can really you know get it drilled into their head um yeah and apologies i talk i talk so much like once you get me started that's no it. no 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 no. that was actually relatively short for you know a lot of the answers yeah. i get um so i appreciate and i do appreciate when my guests go into detail because you know i always say this you're the expert i'm having you on to talk about you know whatever you're most knowledgeable about i don't really know too much about you know renko trading so i appreciate that you come on and you go into detail about it um but yeah, I mean, like when I'm on Twitter, I see you on Twitter. I don't see a lot of people discussing Renko or using it. Um, it's primarily candlesticks. And, yep. you know, I, I don't know too much about it. Uh, pretty much, you know, my knowledge of it is that there's no really, I there's no fixed time frame on the, mm I, I wouldn't even know what to call it. It's not a candlestick, but it's primarily you can call them bricks. Bricks. There we go. Yeah, that's what they are. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's it's not a new brick doesn't pop up each time, like you know, a five minute or an hour, you know, whatever yeah. time frame you're on. It's primarily or solely based on how much the price moves. Is that correct? Yeah. It's you're absolutely correct in that. It's um, there. If you're using something like TradingView, which I imagine the vast majority of people are, yeah. um, there's basically two prerequisites. Number one is that price has to move a certain amount in order to paint a brick on screen. And then the second thing is it has to happen within a certain time frame. Now, like if we're using a Renko chart that may be away from TradingView, it will just work solely on price. So actually, if we... If each brick represents a $10 movement on Bitcoin, we will see no bricks print if that price movement only goes up to $9.99. There we go. Right? We see nothing. There's no movement in the chart. It just stays exactly as it is. So we only get it with very sort of clear movements that that we sort of plan out. Uh, and we have the values assigned for that, for what we'd like to see on screen. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There's no... If you look at the date on a... Franco chart like it, it's completely pointless there's yeah. there's no need to have any date or time on there it's but there are dates purely... just to kind of you know give you some sort of overview of yeah yeah so you can see particularly volatile months for example exactly. like because they'll be represented sort of more heavily um but like uh, i was looking i was looking the other day the the litecoin daily chart and i think the action over the past three months is like equivalent in the space on the chart to all of March of last year. Jesus. So like we, we just like condensing these three months down, whereas March last year was like particularly volatile. There we go. So like there's lots of action there. So yeah, it's it's useful to get some information from, but Renko traders don't need time or date. There we go. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry to uh, dumb it down for you. Obviously, you know, you know exactly no, no, you, what's going on, but. I mean, for, for my audience, like you said, and like I said, we don't really see too much of it on Twitter, so my audience probably isn't too well-versed in it either. Um, so I was just trying to dumb it down as much as possible there. Yeah, um, and any explanation you want is all good. You know, you can fire those across. We'll, of course. Anything like that. I'm, uh, I'm still an educator at heart, so I any opportunity say, this for is... me to like, talk is like, I'm like, this is my element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is kind of right up your alley. So I appreciate you coming on and, you know, helping us and teaching the community. Um, but okay, so you said that you kind of created this narrative when you were looking at candlestick charts. Um, and then you talked about, you know, this idea that, you have a very strict trading system and you've kind of removed all emotions from it, which in my opinion is probably the hardest thing to do as a trader. Um, you know, for most people they can, they can understand, okay, this is this pattern or this is how price is moving. But what they can't do is, you know, take their emotions out of the equation. I um, mean, I think that's where a lot of people run into trouble. So it sounds like your system has kind of removed that. Um, yep. so I kind of want to elaborate on that a bit. 
Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, cold blooded chiller, he has been absolutely killing these training competitions lately. Um, I've seen him at the top of the list, you know, in the last couple weeks, I've seen him at the top of the list at least twice. Um, I think the last one, he just turned a hundred dollars into $2,600 in what was that like two days? Yeah. 48 hours. <laughs> Absolute madness, man. <laughs> um, so, you know, you kind of talked about this trading strategy that you have, uh, that's based on, you know, RSI divergences and then like yeah. a moving average or a guppy. And, uh, it allows you to kind of take your emotions out of the trading. Um, but can you just kind of elaborate a little bit on the, the trading strategy that you use for these competitions? Cause they're, they're quick, you know, you're absolutely like degen longing, shorting, uh, these quick movements yep. you're working on the one second so can you just elaborate and talk about you know what it really takes to win these trading competitions yeah so i think that like when when you're scalping so that's that's the primary focus when i was in this competition okay i was i was aware that i had 48 hours obviously to turn this hundred dollars into whatever total i could get to to finish first so the biggest thing that I, I'm aware of in this is that number one is that I need to I need to take as many movements as I possibly can. So as many signals that the system can give that I'm able to take, I need to be able to move in on. And one of the biggest things is that when you're scalping, people lose people lose focus on the bigger picture. So even though I'm down on the one second chart, I need to be aware of what the higher time frames look like. And I also need to be aware of what the higher time frame levels are. So if, for example, the one second chart tells me that um, I should enter in a long position, but on the higher time frame, I know that we're up against a daily resistance level, then I need to be aware of what impact that can have on the scalp position I'm about to take. So it's incredibly important to keep focus on the wider picture even though you're dialed down to such like a micro level on the chart, you need to be aware of what is happening in the bigger picture. So that was the first thing. And in the trading competition, I was very much aware. I've been bearish for a long time on crypto uh, in general. And I was very much aware that I was waiting for a breakdown of some sort. So I was looking solely for short positions that I could take. And I was basically looking at pushing short positions as far as I could. So there was one point in the tournament where I took a, I was, I was measuring the moves that I could take on certain assets. So I was looking quite heavily at EOS during that time because EOS had one of the strongest runs up and it also had one of the largest gaps back down. And I, I didn't think too many other people in the competition had potentially identified that point. So I was aware that there was a huge percentage gain for me to make if EOS did crumble. And I think that EOS did, I think it did do like 30% down in that day. So like it had this like huge tumble and I was very much planning for that move. So that awareness of the higher timeframes really sort of helped me out, even though I'm dialed in, waiting for my entry, waiting to take the position, I'm aware of what that asset looks like on a higher time frame and where I can squeeze the most value from. So I took that EOS short and that was one of my biggest gains in in that. And actually I cut that EOS short way too early. I could have taken that for for considerably more. And then I had to I had to mess around a little bit more to to get to get ahead in the competition uh, near the end. But yeah, essentially it's a case of making sure you're very aware of the higher time frames, but operating on a lower time frame and then squeezing as much value as you can from a, a market that you either know is trending down or expect to trend down. You always hear about people saying, you know, zoom out, zoom out, but that's for, you know, most people like to think of that as like, a, oh, if you're investing or, you know, trying to get rid of any, you know, doubt in your mind, but you're, you're here trading the one second charts and you're still using these daily charts to kind of find the right levels. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I don't do as much trading, and I'm definitely not trading the one-second charts. Um, but I feel like you can get so come caught along, up. man. You come along. Let's try it out. <laughs> I uh, I think I'll leave that to the psychopaths like yourself. <laughs> 
um, because I, I feel like I would just get way too caught up in the weeds. Um, but so y- your main point there was that you need to really, you know, if you are trading these very, very small time frame charts, you still need to make sure that on the higher time frames, you understand, you know, if we're bearish or bullish. Um, and you said that you were very bullish for the last few months and you were waiting for that breakdown. And it seems like you caught it pretty perfectly, um, especially with EOS. And, um, you know, there's another thing that I like. A lot of people get caught up trading, you know, one specific asset and you're out here looking for any asset that you can um, to either short or long. And it ended up, you did say that you cut it a bit short, but it ended up, yeah. you know, you know, you, like you were saying, yeah. having a 30 or so percent move down. Um, so you yeah. haven't... So that- that thirty percent netted me netted me three hundred percent in the competition. There we um, go because of the the assets we were trading. Yeah. So like that was a three hundred percent move for me. Um, but as I said, like um, that that awareness of the higher time frame was the most important thing. Plus, also if you are involved in any competitions, any tournaments, like also having a strategy or an approach to come at it from. You know, like this this tournament was all about trading ten uh, x leverage tokens. So for every every one percent move in the market, there was a ten percent move on these on these tokens. So it was very much for me about identifying where are the biggest percentage gaps, right? That was like first thing I had to do. As soon as we have the percentage gap and I can view which assets have the largest gap down, then I can start trading on the back of that because that automatically gives me my hit list that I need to move in on to get the most gains. So Having some form of strategy if you are entering into any competitions is also pretty important. Yeah, this was, you know, based on 10x moves. So you're like, all right, I'm going to look for those big gainers. And to come in with that strategy is absolutely key. Um, So we didn't really get into it too much yet. But um, can you just talk to us about how you kind of take your emotion out of the equation? I know you said your strategy kind of allows you to do that but can you just give my audience some tips on how you know they can kind of try to take the emotion out of trading yeah for sure um because i mean i i I don't know especially people who are you know newer to trading when they see this kind of drop off and sell off of any sort of kind their emotions really get the best of them and they end up selling um you know they don't really have this strategy that you're talking about so Maybe you could just elaborate on that. Yeah, so um, there's there's a couple of things when it comes to managing your emotion in trading. The first is, and it's it's always, I always feel bad saying it because I've been asked this question a number of times. But the first thing that you have to do is remove yourself from any social media. Right, you have to step away from from noise and from distraction and from like any conflicting sentiment statements to what you believe. So the other thing is that after we get these large moves, everybody feels as though they have to make a decision in the moment. So when we drop, like we did on Bitcoin, you know, we we dropped 10%. And everybody suddenly feels like they now have to take a position. Whereas that isn't the case. Like the majority of the money is made after that next consolidation, certainly from my perspective. So anytime that we have dips in the market, we have pumps in the market, I utilize those as giving me opportunities. So rather than watching a pump or a dump happen and panicking about getting involved in that, about moving in on it while it's in 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 motion, instead use that as an opportunity to start preparing for when it finishes. So if you can try and change your mindset around that sort of FOMO aspect around big moves in the market and instead start to change it to this is now creating an opportunity for me to look at, analyze, and then make a decision once it's calmed down. And that's kind of what we see a lot of. We saw that like perfectly play out on Bitcoin. Um, so we saw the original drop down, then we saw this patch of consolidation, and then we saw a second leg. And and it's in those moments that we make the decision that nets us, nets us the returns. Um, so like, there, that's one of the biggest things that you can do, especially if you're somebody that moves very quickly when the market is moving you sort of are panicking to get into a position i can promise you that the money is not made during those drops it's preparing for what happens after 
after those drops or or the moves up take place. There we go. So those are two huge ones right there. Uh, it's going to be really hard to hear for some people, but the fact that you need to remove yourself from social media and any of yeah. these kind of outside biases is huge yeah. on taking a position. I always give this this reference, right? I'm a, I'm a big fan of Wickoff and Wickoff trading sort of methodology. And, you know, Wickoff was trading over 100 years ago. And when he would go and chart, he would basically take himself off into a room by himself. And he would just get away from any news, any speculators that were discuss discussing what would happen in the markets. And he would go to, go off by himself, chart, and place his trades, decide what he was going to do, and then come back and join the rabble, right? And 100 years later, we have exactly the same process that needs to take place, but we just have a thousand times more distraction. So we just have information at our fingertips, um, and like it is, it creeps into your mindset more than you can ever imagine. So like I've always kept that wick-off approach that if 100 years ago he had to do that because somebody would be waving around a newspaper with like market prices on right and like that was his form of distraction and you imagine what we have to deal with now it's insane you know it's even more important to to sort of step back and and just look at charts yourself i mean it's if you're on social media especially twitter for more than five minutes you'll you'll definitely see a post especially you know if you're following a lot of other traders you'll see posts on okay I'm bearish right now. I'm bullish right now. I'm neutral right now. And all of that yeah. kind of sinks into the back of your mind and has an effect on the position that you take. Um, so you you said you try to stay off social media before the fact. You're a, Are you able to get back on and not have anyone else's opinions and tweets and bias affect you once you've entered a position? It's still, it's still a challenge. Okay. Like, I, like hand on heart, if I'm honest right like i have to actively i had to especially somebody who i would respect in the in the field yeah that's got to be tough and yeah so like now the way that i try and deal with this is um i try and open up a conversation with that person okay so i have like a group of people that i'll chat with regularly and share ideas with and if somebody has an opposite bias to me or an opposite play out for a trade that i'm taking then I love to hear their side of it because I think there's an opportunity for me to learn in that moment. So if they come forward and say, here's why I'm bullish, and I say, here's why I'm bearish, like what can we learn from each other's analysis in a constructive way that may help me to see any flaws, may help them to see any flaws? Um, so that's kind of the way that I try to overcome that. I'm still taking my trade, yeah. and I will always do that. Um, but it's an opportunity to learn what does the other side think, you know, rather than just like spamming comments on Twitter. Yeah. Like yeah. it actually gives a, a learning environment to look at. So, yeah. So it sounds like you, you know, stick with your convictions and you aren't making any changes once you've made your trade. But then there is mm -hmm. that learning opportunity after the fact, because no one's got a hundred percent strike rate. You know, you're, yeah. it may work out in your favor and the person on the opposite side of your trade may have something to learn from you, or it could be, yep. you know, the opposite of that where you've taken a losing trade and now there's something to learn from the other person. Yeah, exactly. And and the other thing is is like um if you just if you just allow your own analysis to be shaped by the thoughts of others, okay, you've got you've got no point of reference in order to better yourself as a trader. So the fact that I could say, okay, Charles Charles took a long position all right, so I'm going to join him and take in a long position. And then we get stopped out. And then I just turn around and say, well, it's Charles's fault. He told me, he, he said that long was good here. Right, so there's no, there's never a fallback to me in uh -huh. that situation. That's straight on you. So I can always put it off. I can always give an excuse for why I took a, a trade that didn't work because I just push it onto the other person who I followed. So like... You have to analyze yourself and then you can look back and you can critique your trade afterwards, but at least you don't have an easy, easy fall guy that you just point the finger at. It's funny because you've just described probably 90% of Twitter um, yeah. and their ability to just put the blame on somebody else 
And, yeah. uh, you know, that's also kind of going, I don't want to get into the whole paid group thing, but I feel like a lot of people fall into fall prey to that when they join paid groups, but that's beside yeah. the point. Let's not get into that. Um, another big thing you talked about there was, you know, taking your time and not reacting to these huge movements. Um, because I think a lot of novice traders see this, yeah, Bitcoin was down almost 20% in a single day. And yes, if you can capitalize on that move, you can make, you know, great money, but it's the movements after the fact that that's where the real money's made. Um, and so just taking your time, taking a step back, it's funny because, you know, you look at Twitter the day after one of those movements and everyone is losing their goddamn mind. Um, and if you take a look at the charts and the commentary from some of the more respected, well, you know, well-known traders on Twitter, they're always very calm. They're always saying, all right, this is what we do now instead of reacting to this huge move. So I appreciate that. Um, Thank you for those tips. I really appreciate that. Um, So let's kind of move forward. Um, What are you most excited for in the coming 12 months? You know, I like to ask all of my guests this, um, and it's usually a time where they talk about, you know, the businesses that they've got, but you're a trader. So what, what are you looking forward to in the next 12 months? Um, so like I will, I'll touch on a couple of things here. Um, I recently, I recently partnered up with FTX, the exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is who I com- competed in the tournament with, yeah. uh, was these guys. I'm um, actually having, they've been, they've been, I'm having I one of, one of their guys on, um, probably sometime next week to do an interview on the, it's the, what is it? Moon and doom, co- moon and doom competition or moon and doom at the moment. And then first week of October, battle Royale. There we go. Battle Royale. That's what it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so the battle Royale is on in October. So okay. it runs for five weeks, essentially. The first week is a practice week. And then we've got four weeks of trading competition afterwards. Um, it's a really cool concept. You know, the bottom the bottom 50 traders get knocked out at the end of each week. Um, and so it's basically just one one long-lasting tournament over the space of four weeks, which I'm kind of looking forward to, right? It's it's a good opportunity for long-term profitability over a month rather than a DGEN 48-hour competition. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that's kind of cool with this, and I'll plug myself during this part, Hell is yeah. um, you can stake... You can stake traders, so you can go on to to FTX and you can put money behind a trader you think will do particularly well in the tournament, and then you get a percentage of their profit as they move through the tournament. Um, the money that you put behind a trader is it's essentially like free money. It comes back to you. So if you were to put money behind me, for example, and I got knocked out in week one, then nothing would happen. You would have your your money returned to you. So it's a good opportunity to potentially put some money behind somebody who you think is going to do particularly well in the tournament. Um, and it, again, it's just another little uh, potential income stream and utilizing some of the some of the currency you may just be holding that's doing nothing at the moment. So there is that month-long competition that you're talking about. It's the Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. Um, is Sam the CEO? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Sam. Okay, that's that's so, who it is. So, yeah, I'm actually having Sam on as my next guest after you. And we're actually yeah, going to cool. be getting into the details of that and the whole, you know, gamification of, you know, crypto trading. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? Because, like, um, during when I was running the business gamification was just starting to become a huge trend in education so that was kind of where i i made my first biggest steps because i'm a i'm a gamer at heart there we go i'm a big big video game player so gamification and utilizing that has always been a big part for me so it's kind of interesting to see the way that's creeping into to crypto and the way that we're we're doing this now and especially with the activity that's going on on twitter like we're seeing a lot more especially over the last month or so a lot more of these sort of competitions and ability chances to prove yourself and you know like there's some really cool stuff happening yeah yeah yeah. it's uh i feel like it's kind of bringing some life back to the markets um you know things were slowing down a little bit on twitter and now we've got you know a competition every single month where traders can just go crazy and uh like you said these like two-day competitions where you just go degenerate as fuck and then 
Now, yeah. you, now you have this month-long competition that's coming up, and you talked about you know the fact that you can stake your FTT. It's FTX, yeah. sorry, FTX. Um, uh, yeah, is I think you can use either, right? I think FTT is the tag that I always use. There we go. Um, okay, that I, I could yeah. be mistaken there, but okay. So you said you can stake it on specific people. Does that add any extra stress to you to know that people are you know kind of trying to ride your coattails? Yeah. So like. Um, I'm currently the most staked entrant oh God. <laughs> um, on there. So there's there's currently around $700,000 behind my name. Wow. Okay. I mean, so you, you talked about how there's no real loss if you don't do well. Yeah. You know, traders will get yeah, their so money like back. That, that gives me, that that makes sure that my heart doesn't skip a beat there every time go. I look page right so like that's okay i'm kind of chilled about the fact that this isn't lost money yeah. should i go and blow this um you know i have no intention of blowing this no, um, no, no, no. i have i have intention of making a lot of people richer um <laughs> but um yeah like it, it it chills me out a little to know that it isn't just this capital that somebody's thrown in behind my name and i'm now i'm now sitting with that on my back as well um you know the best position i want to be in is trading without without any concerns about money being attached to me. Um, and then I can just go in and trade the system as I usually would. Um, so yeah, so like, I'm really pleased that the money gets returned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely takes a weight off your shoulders. Yeah. All right, man. So we've gone over a lot. We talked about your background. We've talked about your trading system. We've talked about, you know, the fact that you need to remove your emotions and how to properly trade these competitions. Uh, we've got another competition coming up, the Battle Royale, that you're very stoked for. Um, so can we just wrap this up with your biggest tip for anyone who's trying to, one, get into trading, and then more specifically for people who are trying to be successful at these trading competitions? <clears throat> um, you know, what's your biggest yeah, tip for so, them? Um, so I think that the, the biggest thing that I would say is this is a marathon, this is not something you can walk into and win a hundred meter sprint and that's it you're you're made for life okay the if you have a huge amount of capital to invest then sure you can make some some great returns if like when i started right i had a a decent capital pool that i was willing to to invest in crypto and i did that it's about managing your money well and understanding that if you can manage your risk for a long period of time you will make money in this space so there's a two percent rule that i try and work by which is if i can make two percent of my account per day then i'm done trading i'm happy with that and a lot of people a lot of people were surprised by this i i started to document this on twitter but if you start with a $10,000 starting capital and you make 2% per day on that, which you know isn't hugely unrealistic to make 2% per day, some days are gonna be more, some days are gonna be less, but it will take you around 240 days to turn that 10K into a million. And like people are really surprised by that figure because they want quick wins right now, okay? They want like, they wanna turn that 10K into 100K by tomorrow evening. Whereas that's not realistic, but if you can manage your capital and if you can trade with sensible risk management, like there is every possibility that you can turn some very good cash here. It's all about greed, not taking over. So then again, that gets back to the whole having control of your emotions. And I really like that saying, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, because, you know, slow and steady, like you just said, with that whole 2% rule, and turning 10,000 into a million in less than a year. Um, yeah, it, and it's... like people forget that stuff, man. Like if people, I think it's it's very difficult. And again, like without, without bashing on like Twitter, but it's quite difficult to go on and watch like successful guys who trade with, with big stacks to watch them turning money. And like this whole cycle around, you know, missing moves, missing out on money, doubling down on your next position, losing that quad on your next position like there's just this vicious cycle around it and people don't realize just how much money they bleed hopping in and out of positions um and if you're trying to preserve an asset like bitcoin you know if you trade with bitcoin as your as your capital 
then your most important thing should be to hold on to that Bitcoin. Don't don't let the market take it off you easily. Um, so again, like it's all just part of this whole like umbrella of of social media and the way it impacts psychology. Oh yeah, I uh, <laughs> if I have one tip for anybody, it's stay off of these social media sites. Um, but then they never find you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you kind of just giving us this one big tip for anyone who's trying to get into trading. Uh, what about for these people who are trying to kill these trading competitions? Um, because that's less so, of a slow and steady and more of a, yeah. this is a sprint. Yeah. Hard and fast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So basically, I mean, like if you're trading, if you're trading in any, you need to, you need to come at it with an approach. Okay. With a strategy. Like I planned for that 48 hour competition. I knew it was coming. I knew the kinds of positions I wanted to take. Um, but essentially you need to come out at it with a strategy. You've got a fixed period of time in order to make gains in, which is very different to, to normal trading. Okay. So whereas I've got a lifetime, I've now got 48 hours to, to make some money. Um, the other thing that I would say is in these competitions, be sensible with how you are using the entry money. So for example, it was a hundred dollars here. So my aim was very much to use 100% of my bankroll for every single trade. There we go. So the first trade I entered $100 in, say I returned 200, then I would put the full capital into the next trade because then I'm starting to really snowball my gains. So you just have to be sensible in how you approach things and just take take half an hour to to plan out what you want your approach to be. Um, you know, it's basically setting up for success, there kind of go. that. Yeah, yeah. So have that strategy strategy before you go into the competition, stick to it. And to be honest, just yeah. be, be kind of a degenerate. You're saying you're risking, yeah. you know, everything with every single trade, which is kind of the only way that you're going to be successful in these two day competitions. Yeah. You're not going like make... to you, st- you still have your stops in place, of but course. like I'm still putting a hundred percent of that bankroll in yeah. um, to each trade. And you know that I think that's one of the only ways that with these tournaments and the other thing that I like somebody somebody made a post and this is the last thing because otherwise I'll keep you for another day Charles um but somebody somebody put a put out a tweet to say this is how like we should choose whose group to join right in like a paid group sense and like I just went back and said like these tournaments are not representative of any trader's strength so regardless of me winning that tournament and i appreciate the sentiment it's not something you should be looking at and saying these are the best traders because they did this like this is degenerate trading it's like it's no way to utilize your capital um so you know like it's it's pretty much it's who got luckiest over 48 hours who set up really well right who took advantage of it but it's certainly not now who's the best trader 100 percent. again it goes back to that uh, whole idea of it's a marathon for the long-term trading um and these short little guys are just little sprints so i mean it does speak to you as a trader and the fact that you are able to be you know highly successful in these competitions you know that's definitely saying something but i don't think it speaks to your long-term strategy so i I, go ahead sorry no no it's okay i it's fine that's I was just going to agree with what you were saying. I think you're, you're absolutely spot on in that. There we go. And then last thing before we wrap up, um, you know, I threw up a little tweet. It was a little bit early. It was just a, hey, 30 minutes from now, I'm going to be hopping on a call. Um, and Smokey Trades, <clears throat> his handle's Smokey XBT. Uh, he just had yeah, a question. I know, I know Smokey. Yeah, so he had a question for you. Um, and the question is, you know, how do you handle having a kid trading and then whatever you do on the side? Um, and how do you allow that to not affect your trading performance? And I, th- I think we kind of touched on that in the episode. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, so like, I guess it, go on, Charles, sorry, I'm interested you, man. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say specifically with, you know, having a young child, I think that's the biggest, you know, distraction, yeah. I would say, from trading. Um, yeah. So kind of how do you just deal with that? So I think that, I think that when my baby's five weeks old now. Oh wow! Um, okay, and so like that, yeah, an infant, like, infant. We, yeah, we are we are fresh, man. Like we are <laughs> we are hallucinating from levels of non-sleep. Um, so like, the the biggest thing for me is uh, it probably increased my want to hustle. 
so having having the having him arrive was kind of like oh shit i need to make sure that i'm more focused than ever so for me it kind of wasn't a thing that ever ever made me worry about my approach and and how i do things it was actually something that made me just focus even more um so i think that that ability now to be able to have something that i know is is incredibly important to me in order to achieve and to do well um it's just given me more focus and i think that like i said the having the ability to trade without emotion means that i don't need to pull in all these factors because it would be super easy for me to sit there and think i really need to make sure this next trade is profitable because i've now got a child and my wife who are relying on me to make sure this is a success whereas i know that the system works and i just can't get bogged down in that emotional side of it i know that at its core if i follow the system i will be profitable and so it's really just continuing to implement that and in the nicest possible way apart from the increased focus not letting it become a distraction yeah, I mean, it's funny that you say that and you say in the nicest possible way because this is your child. Um, yeah, exactly. And I'm kind of like, like, like I'm it's a distraction. Like, don't, don't don't think about him. Don't think about him. Like he doesn't exist for for when I'm trading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's basically it's basically just that. Like I, you know, if you thought about all of the the outcomes to like a trade to like what your what your salary looks like at the end of the month, etc. Like. Does it that plays a huge sort of toll on on how you're going to be trading and your ability to action trade? So yeah, it's kind of just keeping it keeping it at the back of your mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then obviously, just being a dad when you're when you're not at of course, yeah, yeah. And you know, like I love you, and, but for when I'm trading, like I've I've got to I've got to make you disappear. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I really like what you said about, you know, it's less of a distraction and more of what fuels you. Um, and it's made you want to hustle harder, as you said, um, yeah. because you now are providing. But then it, you know, the biggest thing that you just t- talked about was, again, leaving your emotions at the door and really, you know, separating yourself from everything when you are trading. So I think that yeah. has, <clears throat> that has got to be the biggest takeaway from this whole talk, at least for me. I'm hoping others see it that way as well. Um, but okay. I, I think we've got everything. I really appreciate, you know, you taking the time. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we go? Uh, no, I'm like, I'm aware that I kept you, kept you here long enough. No, 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 no. This is, I'm looking at the time right now. We're at 48 minutes. There was a little bit at the beginning that gets cut out. So it should be right around 45 minutes, which is perfect for me. All right, cool. Um, so I think that the last thing from my perspective, um, I know that we touched on sort of what I'm excited about coming. So the only other thing that I'd like to add there is that I, like I said to you at the start, I, I ran a business that was primarily based on education. And what I try and do now in this space is to make people the best traders that they can possibly be. So I currently have an educational group that I run that attempts to do this. So we're trying to turn people into into better traders. We're trying to teach people a system in order to trade from. Um, so over the next 12 months, essentially what I'm looking to become is a legitimate person in this space. So like we've touched on, we've touched on paid groups, paid services and what they, you know, what the pros and cons are of those. And I think for me, it's incredibly important to continue being transparent, to continue to be approachable, uh, to communicate in the right way, and to make sure that people can see that there are legitimate people in this space that can offer value. Um, So over the next 12 months, it's kind of like continuing down that route. So it's why a lot of the relationships with people like FTX are so important to me right now is that I still have a passion for education and for people learning. Yeah, and so you know, the ability to not have a post that I make about about a group or a service become a meme will be like that will be an important turning point for me. Like, and I know that's not going to happen easily, um, you know, but that is the goal that I'm working towards to show that you know there are people in this space who are willing to help and and can assist. So that for the next twelve months is going to be a really key focus. Yeah, it's it's a bit of an uphill battle just because of you know I I want to say like 
you know, the scammers of the industry yeah. have kind of turned it into this, yeah. you know, there's this stigma against people with paid groups. Um, yeah. But it, it's yeah, actually, like 100%. it's funny because when I asked, you know, what you're most excited for, and then I remembered your background in education, I was like, you know, these two go hand in hand. You're someone who used to, you know, that was your business. You were an educator. And then yeah. you're now killing these competitions, making huge sums of money. Why not put them together? Um, but it sounds like that's where you're headed. And, yeah. um, you know, people have seen your gains. You've been very transparent. And so I think that you are going to have a less hard time than a lot of other people um, kind of putting together yeah. a group like this because, you know, your strategies are tried and tested. And um, I and it's longevity as well, right? Like it's it's quite easy. We see a lot of people uh, for three months and they disappear. Yeah. And like, you know, they could have taken sums of money off people in that space of time. Yeah. So like, it's about longevity, which is why the tw next 12 months are important. You know, it's about continuing to do that, continuing to be a presence here, because otherwise I just fade in like everybody else does. You know? Exactly. And, you know, I, I think you are seen as one of the more respected traders in on Twitter, at least. Um, and I've had I've spoken well, with I appreciate that. even if that's your even if that's your your opinion and what you've heard from others, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I was going to say I've had, you know, DMs and I've talked to people and said that you're coming on um, and they've been like, wow, OK, I really appreciate and respect him as a trader. So congrats on, you know, getting that interview set up. So I, I really appreciate Thank you, you coming on and uh, I wish you all the best of luck with getting that group together. I think you're going to see wild success with it. That could just be my opinion, um, but congrats. And uh, I appreciate again, it. again, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, man. It was great to be here, honestly. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode. And I just want to take a quick second to ask you a huge favor. If you found anything in the episode helpful or it's been inspiring to you in any way, I just ask that you share it with your friends, family, anyone you know on social media, um, and hopefully we can help them out as well. Have a good one.